0: Now here's the crux of our talk today, Dr. Barnard. The next sentence is a diet including large amounts of fruits, nuts, vegetables, and other high fiber foods and white instead of red meat can help prevent this outcome.
1: It was a well-meaning study. As you suspect, Chuck, they they didn't really look at what I would consider the healthiest diet. They were looking instead at sort of variants of it, and that meant maybe favoring white meat instead of red meat, just sort of modest cosmetic changes. White meat also doesn't have what you need. It doesn't have the fiber, the complex carbohydrates.
0: Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physician's Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Louisville, Kentucky, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and Ansan, South Korea. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 38 of season six, number 434 overall. It has been touted time and again that anyone looking to cut fat and cholesterol and calories out of their diet should choose chicken over steak. But is that idea kind of foul? The question popped up again recently after a study of nearly 27,000 people from 33 countries showed that those who opted for white meat had a lower risk of heart disease. But some experts say those numbers are a bit misleading because there is still a big piece of the puzzle not being talked about. And one such expert is here with us today, a multi-talented man. Dr. Neil Barnard. He's here to weigh in on the white meat versus red meat debate and what the healthiest option of all might actually look like. Also today, I said multi-talented for a reason, because Dr. Barnard has been back in the studio with his band Carbon Works, and we have the world premiere of his new single from their album Vanishing Act. It's a song called Nemesis and it is as timely as ever with the kentucky derby right around the corner so we're going to be premiering that in just a little bit plus we're opening up the doctor's mailbag to take questions from the exam roomies who were able to join us live this week more questions about olive oil and on the red meat debate can that cause endometriosis and what about only eating meat how is that possible and still having normal cholesterol Dr. Barnard weighs in, plus a whole lot more. Today's episode of The Exam Room Live is powered by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit them online right now at GregoryRiderFund.org. That's gregory writer. r e i t e r fund.org. Red meat or white meat, which is the healthier option or which option should we really be talking about? Dr. Barnard joins me now on the Exam Room Live. Let's raise our health IQs and welcome the rock and roller, the doctor, Neil Barnard to the show. My friend, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Chuck. It's great to be with you.
0: Exciting day. We've got a lot to cover. So let's just jump right in. We'll start with this study on white meat and red meat. And the headline for the study is Higher Diet Quality Can Combat Cardiovascular Disease. Now, before you weigh in, I want to share with the exam roomies what the press release started with. It said A diet rich in plant based foods with less red meat can help patients with coronary and peripheral artery disease, or PAD, which is when fatty plaques block arteries in the legs. They say it can lead to limb amputations if left untreated. Now, here's the crux of our talk today, Dr. Barnard. The next sentence is, a diet including large amounts of fruits, nuts, vegetables, and other high-fiber foods, and white instead of red meat, can help prevent this outcome. So my question to you is this. We'll start right here. How much healthier is chicken than steak? Well, it's it's
1: it's unfortunate the way the study was done. Uh, it, it was a well meaning study in the sense that they looked at people who already had some heart disease, or they also had peripheral artery disease, as you were saying, Chuck, that's when the arteries to the legs are starting to get narrowed and, and you're risking losing a toe or a foot or, or the whole leg. Um, they started out with people who had these conditions, they looked at their diet quality at the baseline. And then they looked to see who had continuing issues going forward. But as you suspect, Chuck, they they didn't really look at what I would consider the healthiest diet, a plant-based diet. They were looking instead at sort of variants of it, a Mediterranean diet or a diet's just generally higher quality. And that meant reduced red meat, maybe favoring white meat instead of red meat, just sort of modest cosmetic changes. But to your question, Chuck, uh, no, white meat is a source of cholesterol. It has saturated fat in it. Uh, and the differences with red meat are really rather uh, trivial. It, white meat also doesn't have what you need. It doesn't have the fiber, the complex carbohydrates. So had they been able to bring in a new analysis, looking at what a plant-based diet would do, that's really our treatment of choice for people with artery disease or people who want to avoid artery disease.
0: And one of the things that these researchers looked at, Dr. Barnard, was how the study participants diets rated on the alternative healthy eating index. That's something you and I have talked about here on the show before. Um, in this case, zero being the worst, 70 being the best. They said that the average score here was about a 23, but they also said that for um, every five-point reduction in a person's score, that was, uh, that was associated with a 7% increase then in the risk for cardiovascular disease and what they call limb events. So I assume that would be blockages and amputation. Um, if a person is eating a exclusively plant-based diet. Typically speaking, how do they rate on the alternative healthy eating index scale?
1: Well, we've, we've actually measured exactly that. When we bring in people who have weight issues or diabetes, we change their diets. And let's say some of them go on a conventional kind of diet, reducing carbs. We can track their alternative healthy eating index on that kind of diet. It's rating their general diet quality. We can do the same thing if a person begins a low-fat vegan diet. And the answer is really clear that when a person goes to a low-fat vegan diet, what are you doing? You're eating vegetables, you're eating fruits, you're getting away from the fat. So the dietary quality is much, much better. And when you actually quantify it with the AHEI, the Alternative Healthy Eating Index, you see the number just go right through the roof. It's it's the healthiest diet that there is.
0: And just to kind of underscore this, one of the other big takeaways here. This was actually in the key summary that they released with the study. It said patients, uh, when patients were divided into four groups based off of their scores, those in the lowest quartile had a 27% increased risk for both uh, cardiovascular disease and PAD compared to those in the highest quartile. So those eating the healthiest diets of all. And that really, it kind of goes to just exemplify what it was you were just talking about. I guess my question, I got two left here before we open up the doctor's mailbag. Number one, is, you know, moving forward in the future with these researchers, how, how do we really encourage them to really go beyond just the Mediterranean diet and dive into an exclusively plant-based diet, especially when looking at these diseases that we know are so intricately tied to uh, how a person's diet scores on these healthy eating indexes? Uh, how do we really kind of keep banging the drum to make sure that that's always an option here?
1: It's a great question, Chuck. Uh, Some of the researchers are already there, I have to say. There was a huge study in Spain called the PREDIMED trial, which we've talked about before. It was 7,000, more than 7,000 participants at risk for heart disease. And then they looked at, if you start a Mediterranean diet, how do you do? And there were some sort of modest benefits. But then in the course of doing that trial, they said, wait a minute, we got 7,000 people here. Some of them are going further than just a Mediterranean diet. Some of them might be eating their chickpeas and so forth without any meat, any dairy. They're going toward a vegetarian or vegan diet. How do they do? And it turned out that although a Mediterranean diet was in some ways better than the previous diet they had been on before, those who got closer to a plant-based diet or all the way to a plant-based diet did the best of all. And so you you really just can't deny the the numbers anymore. I think think the researchers are starting to catch up.
0: I guess, what would your message be to somebody who thinks that they're really on the right track eating a turkey burger as opposed to the traditional hamburger, or they're opting for you know the turkey bacon as opposed to pork sausage in the morning?
1: Chuck, we are playing for keeps here. I have to say, <laughs> I, I, I recently was talking to a patient who had pr- exactly peripheral artery disease, and he was scheduled for surgery to try to open up those arteries again. It's It's like a bypass in your heart only it's a bypass in your legs. And his own doctor had said, a vegan diet's great, but you're probably not going to follow it. Just do a Mediterranean diet. It's probably just as good. And he took that advice. What happened? He didn't lose any weight, which is what you see with a Mediterranean diet. It's just not enough of a change to tell people lose weight. And about a month ago, he had his first amputation, um, lost a toe. And it's. And they said, well, you know, I could, I, I'm still okay. I could still play golf and that kind of thing. But you have to say, wait, stop. Let's get serious. Cholesterol and fat are in the animal products that we're eating. If there's any of that left on your plate, if you value your feet and your ankles and your loved ones, take that plate over to the wastebasket and throw all that stuff out. And the beauty of it is that when people make this change, they're nervous because they're afraid they won't like the food that they're eating. But what they discover is that the plant-based foods are in many ways, tastier and and you feel, you you just feel so much better when you eat, eat this way that you just don't want to go back to these kind of halfway measures.
0: I want to say hi to uh, Jaw, who's watching us in San Francisco today. Audrey, who's uh, tuning in from Corsica Island. Very cool. Uh, Shadima uh, says, hey, to the awesome Dr. Rock and Roller. That's that's pretty cool. Um, David Talk Stuff at 1125 has an interesting question surrounding what it is we're talking about today. He says, I see videos by a couple of people who eat massive amounts of animal products in food challenges, and their blood work shows very low LDL numbers. How, he's wondering, is this possible?
1: Well, keep in mind, there are always are contrarians who want to say, look, I smoked and I drank and whatever. And and uh, there is variability in it. So there are once in a while, you will once in a while see people who get low numbers despite being on a really unhealthy diet. But if you take a group of people and you put them on a diet of meat and dairy products and that sort of things, so, uh, overall, their numbers go up. Keep in mind, Russian roulette only kills you one time out of, out of six. So um, you, don't necessarily, you don't necessarily want that to be your diet guide.
0: That, that's a good point. That's a good point. And that's an undeniable fact right there. Um, quarantine Quartet, as long as we're talking about meat, let's uh, skip over to protein. Why not? 1127, isn't there a difference, they're wondering, between the protein profiles of plant-based and traditional meats?
1: there has been a 180 on this one. Um, we all grew up with this notion that that uh, meat-based protein, protein from eggs or from dairy or from meat uh, of any kind, was in some way superior because it had all the essential amino acids. Well, we have gradually come to realize that all plants have all the essential amino acids too. Now, it is a good idea to combine them and, and to have uh, any normal variety of plant foods. However, in, I think it was 2016, Harvard researchers asked the ultimate question. If animal protein is supposed to be superior because it has maybe a higher complement of essential amino acids, what's the health benefit to that? And so they looked at a large group of uh, people in the Harvard cohorts and what they found stunned everybody. The more animal protein you eat, you don't get a benefit. The more animal protein you eat, the more likely people were to die during the observation period of the study. And that was true for red meat protein, it was true for poultry, it was true for fish, for dairy, and for eggs. And the idea is that if you trade those foods for plant-based foods, the risk of mortality is lower. So protein matters, you need some protein, but you don't really need to worry about it, you'll get it automatically, but it should be plant-based protein.
0: As uh, long as we're talking about uh, the different kinds of meats here today, Carmen has a question about meat and endometriosis, wondering whether red meat has been shown to cause endometriosis. And to add to that, what about other types of meat as well?
1: Yeah. Um, well, red meat has really um, been under the microscope, especially because it was the, 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 the worst meat in in many ways, but but chicken and fish are not far behind. But yes, that question has been addressed by a pretty well-known study at Harvard University, the Nurses' Health Study. They looked at women who, in their own own lives, were choosing red meat more often, those who never ate the stuff. And the women who had, I believe it was two servings of red meat per day, had over 50% higher risk of developing endometriosis compared to women who generally avoided it. So, there is a a fair amount of literature on endometriosis and diet. And and for those of you who are not too sure what we're talking about, endometriosis just means that endometrial cells, that the cells that are supposed to be on the inside of your uterus, the uterine lining, they have escaped. They're now in the abdomen. They're implanting on the outside of the uterus, on your abdominal wall, on the intestinal tract, and so forth, Um, and they hurt, and they lead to infertility and that kind of thing. A diet seems to promote that. A, a plant-based diet seems to be a good answer to it. Uh, but that's a, a question that is currently under discussion is, is we, we know that many women benefit. If they have endometriosis, they go to a vegan diet, they do better. The, the thing that we don't yet know is what proportion of women get better on a vegan diet. How many of them can look at a, a diet as a cure for their endometriosis? We don't have that
0: answer yet. I want to say hi to Vegan Mommy D, who's tuning in from Toronto today. Uh, well, by the way, I'm going to be speaking at the Planted Expo up in Toronto this weekend, so hopefully you can stop by. I believe that's at the Entercare Center, so check that out. Hope to see you there, uh, Dr. Barnard. Let's take one more question, and then I want to get to the world premiere of Nemesis, which is a great and timely music video. Going to premiere that in just a minute, but one more for the mailbag, and it comes to us from Gina. This is another debate. It's kind of like white versus red meat, which is healthier. Gina is wondering about olive oil and whether that is heart healthy. There's so many different oils out there. Is this the healthiest option?
1: Uh, It's a terrific question. Um, Olive oil is a mixed bag, Um, oils are always mixtures. And with olive oil, it's definitely better than chicken fat. And here's why the saturated fat that's part of any kind of oil. Um, The saturated fat is the one that raises your cholesterol. So beef fat, about half of it is saturated fat. Chicken fat, maybe 30%. For olive oil, it's down to 14%. So every cup of olive oil that goes into a recipe, about 14% of that is the bad fat, saturated fat. So is it good? Well, better than butter, but it's not as good as using a nonstick pan with no oil at all. So um, there have been studies that have looked at, say, Mediterranean diets rich in olive oil and the fact that it's lower in saturated fat compared to dairy or or other animal fats. That's good, but typically not as good as learning to cook without oils.
0: All right, let's rock now. I need you to take off that. Uh, doctor's lab coat, so to speak, and put on your rock and roll outfit, man, because it's uh, time for the world premiere of Nemesis by your band Carbon Works, the new album Vanishing Act streaming now on Spotify. So I'm really excited to be able to share this video today. And it's really timely. It ties in well with the Kentucky Derby that's going to be run on May 6th. So set this one up for us. What is the idea, the theme behind Nemesis, Dr. Barnard?
1: Yeah, ostensibly, this, this uh, song and the video about it relate to, to animals, and it's animals going out uh, about to begin a, a horse race. Um, but what the, the underlying theme really is all the things that we don't see. You go to the Kentucky Derby, and it's champagne, and money won and lost, and everybody's having a mint julep, and uh, the women are wearing the big hats, and all of this wonderful tradition. But what you don't see is underneath all of that. Why is there a whip in the jockey's hand? What's he gonna do with that? Um, Why are there drugs that are legally used and why do they have to enforce drug bans? Why is it that in horse racing in general, there are about 24, what they call a catastrophic breakdown. That means the horse broke the leg and had to be killed. There are about 24 of those per week um, in the US now. Um, What's that about? And uh, if somebody came in from another planet and they looked at a man riding a horse. To, to you and me, we grew up with it, it seems totally normal. To somebody who came in from another planet, they would think that's sort of an ectoparasite on top of that horse, so uh, attached to his body and being dragged around. So so the the point of the songs is, is the things that we sort of don't see. And and my hope is that it encourages the the listener to to maybe see things from a different viewpoint.
0: All right, let's take a look at it. The world premiere right now of Nemesis from Carbon Works. And uh, that was you on the guitar, wasn't it? Uh yeah, that was <laughs> that was me and my Lust Paul. That was a really powerful, like pieces of imagery for sure. A couple of moments in there that really stood out to me is number one, the timing of the release of the horses from the starting gate. There was that kind of pause in the music and then the violins hit. And that to me symbolized the prestige of the day. And then you came in with these scathing lyrics right after that.
1: Yeah, you know, there, there are two ways of thinking about uh, about cruelty. Um, the, the animals obviously have a terrible time with this. Many of them die. Um, And and you see that anytime people get their hands on animals where money is is part of it, they're just commodities. But a number of years ago, Robert J. Lifton, a psychoanalyst um, uh, in New York, wrote an amazing book where he had looked at cruelty and some of the most extreme forms of cruelty. He he interviewed Nazi doctors who had participated in killings and experimentation on on human beings. And he interviewed them at length and he hid the fact that in interviewing them that he himself was, was Jewish. Um, and he did extensive interviews, and he came away with this amazing conclusion, which was that these are normal people. He had wanted, or maybe the reader wanted to think, no, these are just abnormal people. No one could ever do such atrocious things. But he said, no, these are normal people who have gotten acculturated into a society that permits and fosters this kind of cruelty. So that's one way of thinking about this. The other way of thinking about it, and I've seen this um, in laboratories uh, when I was in, in college and so forth, is what kind of person is attracted to a job where animals are abused, whether it's a laboratory or a slaughterhouse or, or something like that. In some cases, say slaughterhouses, they, they hire people who've got virtually no other options. They may be uh, people with really no skills or whatever, and you kind of feel sorry for them. But there are others where... People who get involved in certain professions where animals are abused, there is some personality issue, maybe a little too much testosterone, too much domination, too much actual sadism. And that, I hate to say it, you do see that in, in horse racing and a lot of other areas
0: fantastic commentary there with that music and so timely with the Kentucky Derby coming up here on May 6th. Um, And also coming up, Dr. Barnard, I mean we're really going to be diving deeper into the music. Uh, We've got two big events with uh, Carbon Works here coming up May 9th in New York City at the Robin Williams Center for Entertainment and Media and back here in the D.C. area in Silver Spring, Maryland at the AFI Silver Theater and Cultural Center on May 11th. Two nights only. And here's a special thank you to exam roomies right now if you want a pair of complimentary tickets zero cost to you head over to pcrm.org slash cw pcrm.org slash cwcomp is in carbon works and then click that link uh we can take you right to that in the show description or in the episode nights couple of big nights coming up you looking forward to them
1: oh absolutely it's going to be really great i have to say um in new york uh on may 9th as you mentioned at robin williams center it's a wonderful place just state-of-the-art place, and uh, we're going to be showing lots and lots of of, uh, new videos that have not been released, plus some old favorites from before, from the previous Carbon Works uh, album. Then Dolce is coming from uh, Italy, and she'll be singing uh, live, and uh, it'll be a nice chance for us to just all get together and talk about things. And then the same thing uh, at AFI here in Washington, D.C., American Film Institute, on May 11th, plus a cupcake reception. Everybody comes comes is going to be able to to uh, have probably the healthiest cupcake they ever had and we're going to talk about music and animals and ethics and ways to change the world
0: absolutely and uh, i'll be there both nights as well for a little bit of a meet and greet so hope to see some exam roomies out there again free tickets click that link right now in the show description or in the episode notes dr barnard i know that you have to roll so my friend thank you so very much for joining us today and congratulations on the release of the new album
1: Well, I hope people like vanishing act, and when I I often think about how life is so short, Uh, our children are born, they grow up, they go off on their own way. Same is true with the animals that have come into our lives. Lives is uh, life is sometimes a bit of a vanishing act, and if that's the case, then the thing that maybe we could do is to try to help other people, to be healthier, to be kinder, to be more compassionate, and to exemplify those things in our own lives, or at least to strive to. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Chuck, for all that you do to make the world a better place.
0: It's absolutely my pleasure. And also, I want to say a huge thank you to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for sponsoring today's episode of The Exam Room Live. You know, the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund online at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder. R-E-I-T-E-R fund.org. In the episode notes right now, you will find a link to stream Carbon Works' new album, Vanishing Act, in its entirety on Spotify. And also in the episode notes are links to claim your free tickets to the Carbon Works shows in New York and Washington, DC. Not sure how long those will last, so if I were you. I'd act now.
2: The Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is recruiting participants for a no-cost, 12-week research study to evaluate the impact of a dietary intervention on pain, inflammation, and quality of life in individuals with endometriosis. Qualified study participants who are randomized to the Diet Intervention Group will receive support via weekly online group sessions with physicians, dietitians, and cooking instructors. These participants will also receive study-related nutrition education, practical tips, and cooking demonstrations to help transition to a low-fat, plant-based diet. Participants who are randomized to the control group will be asked to maintain their usual diets for the initial 12 weeks. At the conclusion of the initial 12 weeks, they will be offered 12 weeks of instruction in the plant-based diet. All participants will receive one-on-one study-related consultations with a dietitian and lab tests to check specific study-related health measures. Recruitment is now open, and the assessments and intervention will start in late April 2023. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with endometriosis, lives in, or is willing to travel to Washington, D.C., and is not currently following a low-fat, plant-based diet, please go to pcrm.org endometriosis to fill out an interest survey.
0: Huge thank you to my wife, Julie, for lending her voice to that. And again, there's a link for you to apply to participate in the study right now in the episode notes. So today's show, we're keeping kind of on the short side, but there is one more study that I wanted to pass along today. This one came across my desk this week, and I thought that it was absolutely fascinating. It has to do with restaurants putting the amount of calories in their foods on their menus. So this was a study that was done by researchers at Tufts University, and it shows that what the net impact is, is that basically when you put the amount of calories on menus, the average customer shaves about 20 to 60 calories per meal. They simply gravitate to the lower calorie options. That appears to be what's happening here. Now, what these researchers did, though, was that they wanted to take it a step further. They may say, well, look, 20 to 60 calories per meal, not that big of a deal until you look at it like this group did. They say these 20 to 60 calories per meal are enough to prevent at least, at least 28,000 obesity-related cancer cases and 16,700 deaths over the course of a lifetime, our lifetimes. 28,000 cancer cases, almost 17,000 deaths. That is a lot. And looking at it from a financial perspective as well, this is huge, huge for insurance companies and doctor's offices and employers because it also saves a combined 2%. $3.8 billion in healthcare and what they call societal costs. Almost $3 billion. That is huge. So hopefully we can actually dive a little bit deeper into the study next week when we are joined by Dr. Venita Rahman and dietitian Karen Smith, who are teaming up for a course on binge and emotional eating. So we're going to be talking about that, but I wonder... Would you still be steered toward a healthier option if you're really just having that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? And would that then, would that then still apply? Would that then still count toward all of these cancer cases and deaths that could be prevented? Interesting conversation. So in the meantime, if you would like to get a closer look at the study in full that was done by the researchers at Tufts, we've got a link to it right now in the episode notes. And that episode with Dr. Rahman and Karen Smith, that will be coming up next week on The Exam Room Live. So set a reminder, join us Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and on Facebook. Also, coming up, if you are in the Toronto area, I will be speaking at the Planted Expo at the Enercare Center. That will be on Sunday afternoon. I think I'm going to be going on around 2.30, just after our good friend Carly Bodrug from Plant U, Dr. Michael Greger will also be there that weekend, as will the badass vegan John Lewis. Tickets and full speaker information can be found right now at plantedlife.com. And If you're in the giving mood and you feel like you've raised your health IQ by a point or two, why not subscribe and leave a nice review? The Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The more people who subscribe, the more people who leave those five-star ratings, the higher we climb in the rankings and the easier it becomes for people who need to find this information the most, who are searching for the answers for their own health it makes it easier for them to find this when they need it the most. So please take a moment, hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating and a nice review. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I wanna say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and sharing this world premiere of the video Nemesis with us. Very cool stuff. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.